This is Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love, a podcast ministry brought to you by Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. Welcome to Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love. I'm Katherine Barner, your guest host for today. And today we're continuing our conversation on apologetics with Paco Cortez. He is Assistant Professor of Philosophy and Apologetics. Paco also serves as Director of General Education and Registrar here at Grace School of Theology. Paco, welcome back. Thank you again for having me. All right. Well, in our last episode, Paco, we answered the question, what is apologetics? Um, So to our listeners, if you haven't already listened to that, you may want to before you listen to this episode. Um, So again, we today we want to talk more about why apologetics is important in the life of the believer. So you've already said, Paco, we talked about this last episode that apologetics is, in fact, important in the life of the believer. But tell us why that is so. Okay. Yeah. Great, great question. Uh, uh, another reason why apologetics is, is important and, and now specifically in the life of the believer mm-hmm. is that it also serves as post evangelism. Right. Post is after. So right. after evangelism. So mm-hmm. what is it that I'm talking about? Well, here, uh, the target audience is fellow believers. Okay. Okay. Not non-believers. And the end game is to um, grow spiritually by resolving doubts that Mm. believers may have or even yourself that that, uh, uh, one might have. So uh, apologetics as post-evangelism or used as post-evangelism, it's a way to... um, to disciple, I would say, okay. as well. Not the only way. It's mm-hmm. it's part of discipleship in that uh, by addressing doubts mm-hmm. that one might have mm-hmm. about our faith or uh, helping others, other fellow believers, resolve their doubts mm-hmm. by providing answers, reasons uh, that would, that would uh, refer to the objection. As we resolve those doubts... Mm-hmm. I would argue that our faith becomes stronger. Strengthened. Yes. Ah. So, uh, and that produces spiritual growth. That that's at least my my contention. Mm-hmm. So, because it is a fact that the, we're going to have doubts in one way right. or or another. Every single believer will have. They're, have they're those. going to come. Yeah, we might not want to admit it. Maybe sometimes. Uh, in church or other believers might might uh, might think that's that's bad, mm-hmm. but I, I even I think even in, in in the Bible we see examples of those that uh, doubted, Absolutely. but they wrestled with their doubts. Absolutely. They didn't ignore them or or put them aside, but wrestled with their doubts. And um, after doing that, uh, they came uh, or or. The outcome was that their faith was stronger. Mm. Uh, one example that I see in in the Gospels is John the Baptist. Okay. When he was about to be executed, he was in prison already and was about to be executed. Um, his disciples went went to see him at prison, and he asked the, the, his disciples, "Go in and, and can you do me a favor? Go and ask uh, Jesus." If he's the one, or yeah. shall we wait for another? Right. Okay. <laughs> wait a minute. The first thing that you would notice uh, is 
isn't John the Baptist the one that that announced that, that this hey, is, yeah. <laughs> here comes the Lamb of God that takes exactly. away the sin of the world when he saw him mm-hmm. coming towards him. Mm-hmm. He knew he knew that Jesus was the one. He was the Messiah, the Son of God. But at this moment of, you know, a crucial moment in his life right. that, that he knows that 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 he's not gonna gonna get out of prison alive. That mm-hmm. this was it. He wanted to make sure that he was dying for the truth and not a lie. Wow. So he so he sends his disciples and the amazing thing is the response by Jesus. There's no condemnation. He doesn't say go tell John that he should, you know, put away his doubts and just believe. He says to the disciples of John, okay, well See the miracles that I perform, Mm -hmm. the blind see, the deaf hear, the dead are being risen, and go tell John. And it seems, because the story kind of ends there as far as the the response from John the Baptist, it seems that that was sufficient for John the Baptist. And if you move on uh, later on in that that story, uh, Jesus uh, pays a great compliment to John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. He says, uh, there has been no other man born that is greater than John the Baptist. But right after he had sent his he disciples and he to so, reassure him. To, to reassure him. him. Yeah. yeah. So we can see there at least I think we can agree that it was a moment of doubt. Not necessarily unbelief, mm-hmm. but doubt. He just wanted to make sure, okay, exactly. I'm about to die for you. Right. Are you I, really the I one? just want to make sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And Jesus uh, acquiesced to that request. Okay, well, here, here's the evidence. Wow. And uh, and it seems that it was sufficient for John the wow. Baptist. Also with Job. Yes, a, that's what I was thinking. Uh, we about. always we always think of Job as you know that great man of faith that mm-hmm. he endured all this afflictions mm-hmm. and so on. But if we read in the middle of the book yes, of there's Job, a large there's chunk a in lot there. of doubt yes. that you see from yes. Job. That uh, he doesn't quite understand right. why have you forsaken exactly. me and so God, on. What are you doing? Uh-huh. Yeah. But at the end, his doubts are resolved Comes and his back. faith gets strengthened. Yeah. So similarly, I would argue that apologetics as, you know, serving as post-evangelism, mm. it, it helps uh, to resolve doubts that might arise in our own lives. Mm-hmm. And it can, it can, we can minister to others that might be encountering Doubts, right? Okay, and, and there's an actual real example that happened to me this uh, this last weekend of apologetics serving as post evangelism, because I, I watched uh, a program on uh, it was the Smithsonian Channel. Okay, and it was a uh, a program on uh, it, the title was the the real Jesus of Nazareth. Mm, so I saw I, that. So I oh you saw it too. Yeah. Okay. Well, it piqued my interest. Mm-hmm. I want to know uh, maybe there's more uh historical evidence that has uh, sprung up and uh that confirm the historicity of the gospels and the life of Jesus. Uh but when I started watching it, uh they would uh interview scholars and maybe within the first 5 minutes if, if you remember yep. there's a scholar that says ah Luke Luke gets it wrong as far as uh the Roman census exactly that he talks about in Luke chapter 2 that uh we all know well he didn't say all we all know but he kind of presupposed we know that uh, the census occurred in 6 AD mm-hmm. And because the text, Luke chapter two says that Herod was the governor during uh, that time. During exactly. that time, mm-hmm. 
we all know as well that Herod was dead by 6 AD, and yeah, uh, historical evidence points that that uh, Herod probably died 6 or 4 AD. Mm-hmm. So definitely Luke has it wrong. So I said, whoa. So I said, maybe I missed something. Yeah. Maybe uh, in my studies of uh, alleged discrepancies of <laughs> of the Bible, maybe I missed that. Right. Because I didn't recall that I had studied that in the past uh, informally with uh, the book that I, sh- I shared in the other uh episode uh ready defense right and uh the other book by norman geiser there's a book that that he wrote uh, when skeptics ask okay and it's um uh addressing questions from the bible alleged problems or difficulties right from genesis all the way to revelation so i, I had i remember studying it informally and then at uh, uh formally at Biola University mm-hmm. in the apologetics program. I even had a class. It was called Biblical Apologetics. Okay. And we dealt with that. But uh, as we all tend to do, we tend to forget. Absolutely. Right? So it's, it's always important to do a refresher mm-hmm. on on the important things that yes. we've learned. And uh, so it caught my attention and said, well, wait a minute. I, I, I need to go back and, 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 and look at what I've studied in the past. Is this guy really correct? Mm-hmm. Luke made a mistake? Because I thought uh, Luke was a great historian. Yeah. I mean, he, he gets it right in, in, in all that he addresses, mm-hmm. historically speaking. So uh, that was one thing. And then uh, there was another individual that was, uh, that was interviewed that said, uh, we have to separate the history from legend yes. in the Gospels. Oh, really? I thought all was historical. Okay. So actually, it didn't... Didn't continue watching because I had to uh, address the questions. That, right. The I question needed a refresher. Up. Right. And and it turned out that, yeah, I had done a study on, on that supposed contradiction. Mm-hmm. And and it turns out, to not leave the audience in suspense, that uh, there are good reasons to believe that uh, Caesar Augustus mm-hmm. um, ordered or had more than, than one census during... Um, during certain periods. Okay. Uh, usually, um, the emperors had a uh, census every eight to ten years, mm-hmm. but there seems to be good evidence to point that Caesar had more more, ah. sen- more uh, census done within those time, time periods. So, okay. if that is the case, then there is no contradiction. Right. There, must, there could have been, and there are good reasons to believe that there was another census mm-hmm. in 6 B.C., Got or it. 4 BC, which is normally the date for for uh, Christ's uh, mm-hmm. birth, and Herod was alive at that time. So, wow! Why do I mention all this? Well, uh, again, apologetics serving as post evangelism. Mm-hmm. Uh, the target audience being fellow believers believer. like myself. Right. <laughs> okay, I had a I had a question. Is is what this caller is saying? Is is it actually is true? true? Maybe yeah. uh, maybe. Maybe Luke had it wrong, and if he had it wrong here, he could have it wrong in right. other chapters in the Gospel or the Book of Acts. Mm-hmm. So maybe I can't. Tr- so all those questions yeah. came up, but said, "Well, I had to stop." And I actually didn't continue watching the program. I I, I still have it, mm-hmm. and I need to continue watching it. But I had to address the question and and resolve my doubts. Wow. <laughs> I'm that type of person. I I can't uh, leave doubts like on the table. 
But I need to a, resolve them. I think that's so huge, though. And as you talk about, as you break it down and, and saying that the, the post-evangelism is for the believer, we talked about in the last episode, the pre-evangelism is for the unbeliever. Right. But with the post-evangelism, then the focus being being the believer and answering those doubts that we have, I think that's huge, though, because it, it gives a believer permission to have those questions and to have those doubts and go back to the study and go back to God's Word and to dig in and say, okay, is what this person's saying to me really the truth? Because I think it speaks right. to what you said. Okay, if, if what Luke is saying here isn't true, then what else may not be true about what Luke said. And so Correct. then this whole spiral starts. Well, can I really trust any of this? And so I think that's yeah. huge for the believer to recognize it's okay to have those doubts, um, but to go and find the answer. Again, to, as you said, to exactly. strengthen our faith, to say, oh, yes, this is in fact the truth. What I'm believing, what I'm standing on is indeed the truth. And now I can move forward until the next question comes. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. I mean, and, and that, and and what you just said—that's the danger uh, for believers when we don't deal with doubts. Yeah. Because they they can they can uh, they can spread mm-hmm. like wildfire mm-hmm. or like uh, like weeds. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if you don't deal with them, you'll have a uh, you know a backyard full of weeds. <laughs> and uh, so, if doubt is not dealt with, the danger is that it could potentially could lead to unbelief mm. and that and that's really it's a whole, dangerous yeah, it's a whole yeah and we don't want that right but having doubts per se I, w- I would say that it's it's not sinful mm-hmm. but our duty is to resolve them yeah don't ignore them don't put them aside but deal with them I like that the, yeah. the duty being to resolve them mm-hmm. because and as you mentioned particularly in job you're right we always go to job and talk about how, you know, how he endured, how he went through. But you're right. In the middle of that smack dab in the middle, I mean, he is struggling. Exactly. Um, yes. d- doubt is probably doesn't even seem like a strong enough word for what he was yeah. going through. But you're right. He resolved it. And by the end of the book, we're seeing a whole nother job. Um, and, of course, yes. that's that's the hope for us when these things come up. That's good, Paco. That's really good. Yeah. Talk about something else. Um, I think you may have mentioned last last episode. I'm not sure. But talk about um, a divine commandment. I think we may have talked about that a little bit mm. in terms of apolo- how that fits in with apologetics in the life of yeah. the believer. Mm-hmm. Or it being, the apologetics being a divine commandment and why it's so important to us. Yeah. And, and I would say that's the primary reason why apologetics is important in the life of the believer. Mm-hmm. That in 1 Peter 3.15... The the statement is actually a command. It's it's stated as a command, meaning that, uh, and Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey obey my commandments. commandments. Not not only one or a couple Mm -hmm. or the the ones that I like, (laughs) right? But all his commandments. And apologetics is not the only commandment. Uh, I recognize that, mm-hmm. but it, it's certainly it's one, of, one them. of them. So if you want to be uh, spiritual, mm. okay, if you want to grow spiritually and you completely ignore this commandment or 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 not follow it at all, wow. I would say that you're not, mm. you're not, f- you know, uh, fully growing spiritually or to your Full potential because we we are called to obey all of God's yeah. commandments and not simply the ones we like or the, the ones, ones that, that are, are convenient yeah. or easy. So it is a divine t- command to uh, 
to um, always be ready mm -hmm. to give an answer, to reason an for answer. the hope yeah. that is within us. If we're not equipped, then, well, it's time to, to get started and, and get equipped. So that's, that's the call. That's good. For, that's, all, yeah. for all believers. That's a good, it's, it's a high call. Yes. But that's the if call someone that. asks you, well, why is it that you believe in God? We should be prepared to give an answer. Mm. And if we're not, well, it's time to get to study. Yeah. Go find one. Exactly. Yes. Which gets back to what you said in the first episode. Apologetics is about the why. Theology is about the what. Apologetics is about the why. And now that you mentioned the why, mm -hmm. I want to add another um, maybe important uh, clarification here. Mm -hmm. That uh, going back to to apologetics as pre-evangelism. Okay. I think I think it's important that that we focus on what is it that we're actually defending when okay. we're engaging non-believers mm -hmm. um, about the the gospel. Mm -hmm. uh, And why do I say that? Because sometimes we might go off on rabbit trails mm. when dialoguing with non-believers oh, on mean, issues good. that, uh, uh, even if if uh, the unbeliever is 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 actually correct in their argument, mm -hmm. it does not at all disprove Christianity. Got it. Or belief in God. For instance, someone might say, "Well, I reject." I reject or I do not believe in God because I saw that program and uh, it, it is clearly the case that the Bible is not um, inerrant. It's not historically reliable. Mm -hmm. So therefore, uh, I do not believe in the Jesus that you believe in, mm. that you base it all on the Bible. Well, that actually is not, it's, it's, not, it's an argument mm -hmm. But not an argument against God's existence. Right. Because it could be the case, it's logically possible that, yeah, the Bible might be, I don't agree, but <laughs> might be uh, uh, historically unreliable. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that, that doesn't therefore negate. God does not exist. Got it. Okay. So sometimes um, non-believers bring arguments to the table that really don't, if they, if they were true, mm -hmm. or assuming they were true, they do not really... Prove what they're what they're trying to claim, right? Because okay? their whole claim is that God doesn't exist, right? Okay. So uh, we should focus on those things that are essential. Gotcha. To the faith, the pillars of the faith. Got it. There's going to be you know um, um, secondary issues mm -hmm. that maybe as believers we might disagree with. Maybe uh, your view of the Lord's Supper might right. be different than mine, <laughs> right? Or uh, the mode of baptism mm -hmm. might mm -hmm. be different. That's a good one. Yeah. And we might debate, uh, and I might even convince you that my position is right. Mm -hmm. But if we're we're talking with a non-believer, that's 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 not drawing them closer exactly. to Jesus. Exactly. So uh, we should focus on those things that are most important that's to our good. faith and focus all our efforts and our studies on those issues. Right. We, can have a, we can have debates with other believers and acknowledge them at the end of the day. We might have we're different right. points of view, but on the essentials of the faith, There's that's where we're united. Exactly. Uh, the, the deity the of Christ, uh, the bodily resurrection, exactly. The the Trinity, um, salvation by grace yeah. alone through faith through alone. Faith alone. Uh, those are non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. But other issues uh, are secondary, and it, it might be interesting to debate, talk about. 
but those are not the mo most important things. So wow. it is important to be able to distinguish between, okay, what this person is, is bringing to the table as an objection to the mm -hmm. faith is really not an objection to the faith and, and, and be able to share that with that person mm -hmm. and really address um, the real issue right. that, that is at, right. at stake here. That's, a, that's an excellent point. That's an excellent point you make because I think you're right. We can, and you use the term rabbit trails. I think you're right. We can get off and we can get hung up on some of those things that really aren't the focal point. Um, and as you said in the last episode, pre-evangelism, the end game is about salvation. So if we get caught up on the, mm -hmm. the minutia of stuff, sometimes we miss then the opportunity um, for the salvation piece, which, which is right. the point exactly. with the unbeliever. That's yeah. really good. I, I'm glad you brought that up. Mm -hmm. Um, so let me ask you this. You talked a little bit earlier, you talked briefly about the doubts, and we've talked actually quite a bit about that and about how as believers we do struggle with doubts. It's just it's just a part of, of, of life and, and a part of our Christian faith. And so, you know, sometimes I, I get the impression that we don't always create an environment where people feel safe um, expressing those doubts um, to one another. And so... What are your thoughts on how we as fellow believers can respond when a brother or sister may be having those doubts? And then I'll throw in a secondary question mm -hmm. of how do you think those in leadership, pastors, ministers, mm -hmm. whatever we choose to call them, can respond as well? Great. Yeah. Uh, on your first question, I, I think we should encourage mm -hmm. that fellow believers bring their doubts to the table. Yeah. Um, so encourage that and be willing to to interact mm -hmm. and help out fellow believers. I think it's it's part of uh, discipleship. Yeah. I think yeah. that uh, if God has trained you, apologetically speaking, it is for a purpose and not not simply to win arguments <laughs> or uh, you know interact with. Uh, atheists right. uh, uh, on the internet, on exactly. blogs. And have these deep but, theological conversations. But to help out mm. fellow fellow believers mm. uh, to resolve their doubts. Yeah. Uh, it might be, it, it is true that not every single believer can be, you know, a professional apologist, like right. just like a professional scientist right. and so on. But uh, maybe God has called you mm -hmm. To, to this ministry of, of apologetics and be equipped apologetically speaking so that you can minister to those that would be going through doubts right. and, and, and issues and, and, and uh, those types of things. And which takes me to your second question mm -hmm. um, about leadership and pastors. Right. Uh, here's my personal point of view, and someone might, might not agree, but uh, <laughs> that's okay. Um I believe that uh, as part of a church staff, okay. that there should be at least one brother or sister that is apologetically That's equipped good. so that uh, he or she can minister right. to fellow believers mm -hmm. as they struggle with, with their doubts to be able to minister oh, to okay. them. So I am all for uh, uh, a staff member being an apologist right. in every single Single church. Some <laughs> churches actually uh, ha are doing mm -hmm. this. They might even have um, uh, uh, a, a study group mm -hmm. that meet weekly. Right. But those would be the exception. Yeah. Uh, so 
Um, that's that's what I would love to see. That every single church would have someone who's specifically someone, trained yeah. in that. Because pastors, they're so busy, right? With right. preparing sermons um, for Sunday, there, there might be there might all. be churches that have a, a midweek service. Mm-hmm. They have to prepare another another message yeah. for midweek. Uh, you know, ministering in, in many other areas. Exactly. That to. To set apart time to study apologetics mm-hmm. is just not doable. Exactly. But if you have a church staff member that focuses primarily on that, yeah. it would be awesome, I think. That's, yeah. I like that. I like <laughs> and I think it goes back to the point you made about it being so, um, so connected to discipleship also. So I, I see that. Uh, that's an interesting point, Paco, and, you know, having someone on staff yeah. at every church. Yeah. Again, right. it would be part of discipleship. I right. recognize that right. it's not the uh, the only mm-hmm. piece in the puzzle of discipleship, but it, it but could definitely be connected. Definitely, definitely one. Yeah, one I important like it. one. Yeah. All right. So let me ask you this one final question. So to to the person who who may feel like they're struggling with doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, on whatever issue it may be, something you know may be going on in their lives, but they don't feel safe bringing it up. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that person? I would say <laughs> find someone mm-hmm. that is willing to listen to you, not judge you, mm-hmm. and be willing to to help you yeah. in resolving those doubts. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's why uh, the community of believers is, is so, so important. Right. And why I suggested uh, what I suggested earlier about someone on staff mm-hmm. uh, be able to be trained apologetically and be able to help those that might have struggles yeah. with their faith. Right. So find someone. Find someone. To talk don't, to. Don't hold it in. Yeah. But uh, share it with somebody. Right. Because as I, as I mentioned earlier, if you ignore doubts, mm-hmm. put them aside, they will grow and grow like, like the weeds. weeds. Yes. yes. And then you'll have a forest back exactly. <laughs> in your backyard. Exactly. And you won't, you won't be able to deal with it. Right. Yeah. So do not, do not hold it to yourself, but share it with others. Wow, that's yeah. good. That, yeah. That's good advice. Well, once again, Paco, this has been such a great conversation. I've, I really enjoyed it. And and I really believe it's going to be helpful for our listeners. I know it has been for me. Um, so thank you again for being here. This is great. Thank you. Uh, and to our listeners, we hope that you have been encouraged by today's program. To find out more about what God is doing at Grace School of Theology, we invite you to visit us online at partnerwithgrace.org. From there, you can find out more about our global initiatives, how to become a student, or register for our free course entitled The Grace of God. This particular course features powerful teaching from three of Grace's theological scholars and will help you truly understand the depths of God's grace. In addition, we welcome your questions and comments. You can email us at savinggrace at gsot.edu or follow us on Twitter at SavingGraceCast. Also, we've created a brief survey for our listeners. You can access the survey at gsot.edu slash podcast survey. Saving Grace is always going to remain free and a free resource for our listeners. But if this podcast has brought value to your life, we'd really like to hear from you. 
We hope that as many of our listeners as possible will take the time, probably only two minutes or so, to take this survey and help shape the future of Saving Grace. So again, that's gsot.edu slash podcast survey. Thanks for joining us. And remember, the love of Christ can never be earned and can never be lost. You have been listening to Saving Grace, a podcast ministry of Grace School of Theology. For more information, visit gsot.edu slash saving grace. Views expressed on this podcast may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership.